Welcome to the Los Links Talk Show, mid-September 2021 edition. Uh, the Lynx season, the WNBA season is almost over. We have one final weekend remaining. It's going to be a photo finish for a couple different teams, including the Lynx. So, uh, you know, we, we, haven't, uh, we haven't talked in a while, so it's time to come on back for another edition of the Los Lynx Talk Show and uh, break down what's been happening recently and get into some, uh, some playoff talk because that is right around the corner. And uh, today uh, we have uh, a lovely guest who uh, is is making uh, her second appearance on the Los Links talk show. It's been a few years, um, and uh, but we had to uh, have this uh, illustrious guest back. Everybody, it is uh, Links broadcaster. You know her from CBS Sports Network, NBA TV, lots of other places. It's Sloane Martin. Welcome to the show, Sloane. So nice to be called lovely and illustrious in the same sentence. Oh, so thank you. That's how we do it. We have to do it. You know, I mean, that is. Uh, I feel like the, the, those are not words that I wrote down. Those are just. Those are just things that came into my mind when I was thinking about you <laughs> and the work you do. So there it is, Sloan. How are you? How how is uh, how is life? How is the end of the link season treating you? It was fantastic. I mean, I think that the Olympic break was a little bit rough. Of course, I watched (laughs) a lot of basketball during that time, but it still even feels so strange about the beginning of the season feeling so long ago, like when Leja Clarendon joined the team feels like (laughs) a different kind of season, Uh, but have so much enjoyed, especially this latter half about how there was really this transformation from the early part of the season to the end. And I think it's just been really fun, really enjoyable to experience that. Yeah, it's been quite the quite the journey for the Lynx team this year. You know, yeah, starting off losing losing those four games and winning lots of games since then, basically. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump into you know all the all the you know post Olympic play and uh, like I said, sort of trying to figure out where the where the where the um, you know team may fall as far as the the playoff uh, bracket goes. But first, Sloan, let's talk a little bit about broadcasting and about how you've been since we last talked. I feel like that was maybe like three years ago. And uh, you were doing the, you know, I believe that season you were working radio broadcast, or maybe that was the year you were working athletic. I can't really remember. No, I think <laughs> it wasn't. I thought it was 2019 because okay, I remember yep, very yep, yep. clearly that I had come from work and okay. I had biked half the way <laughs> and uh, take the old days of when I had, you know, normal work schedule and normal work period. So, yes, a lot <laughs> has transformed since then. But, you know, looking back, um, you know, I didn't work the 2020 season. So that was really difficult. Just just with the way um, networks and teams in the league really pared down um, their broadcasts. And uh, so it was so, so nice to be back. I broadcasted an early home game. Uh, Gosh, it might've been the opener again, just feeling so long ago, but it was May 14th against Phoenix where we had that Diana Taurasi shot and the clock was stopped and having to kind of carry the broadcast solo over about a 10 minute delay. And I was really proud of myself the way that that kind of turned out and um, just such a crazy situation with seeing like a game winning shot. But in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is wrong because the clock had been stopped. And then I think back, um, I think my favorite game this season was probably that June 25th Vegas game, the one point links win. That was really one of the best basketball games. I feel like not to be like exaggerating, but maybe one of the best games I've seen, or at least called it was absolutely fantastic. So I just also love, you know, about this job, of course, is like 
talking to Lynx fans and, and sharing this passion. But I, I don't, you know, I have no problem admitting that I just love seeing the league and seeing the other players that come in and seeing opponents and just appreciating the talent that's there. So it was very, very good to be back. Well, I think that's what makes you very good at your job is the the, the passion is is evident, uh, you know, on the broadcast. And, and I, I, you know, I, I know what you mean by sort of being like, oh, I, you know, apologize. Whatever. I feel like you don't have to because I feel like that is such a uh, something that can be missing, I guess, uh, from some broadcasts is, you know, it kind of just feels like they're doing the job and, you know, they're kind of just uh, punching the clock or whatever. But. You know, you have such a affinity and great knowledge base for women's basketball specifically and, you know, generally all sports, you know, just knowing you a little bit more. But, you know, man, you just it just is palpable how much you love the game and know about the game. And, and that is that's really nice to see. So, you know, I think that is uh, and here, I suppose. But that is, um, you know, something that I think is, is, is welcome. So so thank you for being so, you know, so uh, passionate about women's basketball. It comes through. It works. That's like that's like one of the greatest compliments I could hear because I think that's what women's basketball fans deserve is yes. someone who can match their passion and their knowledge. And when you're like me and you've been following this sport, following women's college basketball, like to the farthest back of your memories, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it pays off. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And so, you know, this year, you know, I feel like you every single year you have like a little bit different of a, you know, scenario going on with the links. You know, a few years ago, you were you're doing the radio broadcast, traveling with the team, doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. You mentioned that, you know, the bubble had to sit out, you know, no Bradenton for you. And then and then this year, you know, you're on the TV broadcast, basically the home games that were not on Bally. You would uh, you right. hear Sloan because those would be over on CBS, um, Sports Network, NBA TV, League Pass. And um, but then another sort of like interesting inflection point here is some of them are solo and then some of them with uh, Leah B. Leah B. Yes. Olson, um, you know, who, who fans know maybe from from some of the games, you know, she called with Marnie on uh, on uh, on Bally there. So, you know, what was this season like for you as far as both those things go? I mean, you mentioned the 10 minute <laughs> break in uh, the <laughs> clock malfunction or whatever it was. That sounds like a broadcaster's like nightmare. You know, you wake up in a cold sweat, you know, uh, <laughs> doing that one or it's like a. It's like a training camp or something like that. Like it's like they put you through, put you through the ringer. You have to do ten minutes on your own. But <laughs> what, what was the season like for you? And just like the ups and downs, sort of the changes that happened. I guess as far as the actual broadcasting part of the, of the season. Oh, you know, it was really interesting because, um, you know, the the way that they had done those national games in the past was just basically plug in radio. So in 2019, when I was doing radio, I was doing both a TV and a radio broadcast at the same time, which is pretty difficult because they're two different mediums. And, you know, I would try and cut down on how much how much detail I'm going into describing. So you're not just like a constant monologue voice over the images, but also you want to think about that radio audience too, and really create the picture for them. So it was good to have just kind of one format, one medium right in front of me for this season. Um, And then bringing on Leah B was fantastic. I actually had never worked with her before until the girls state basketball tournament um, a couple months before, a couple of weeks before the Minnesota Lynx season. So that was great that we at least had that a couple of games to have worked together uh, on 45 TV and then coming in, it was fantastic because that's how you want to have a game sound. I mean, I love doing games solo. It's fun because I 
just love talking and I can talk about this sport just kind of like breathlessly throughout a game. That's why a 10 minute pause doesn't, uh, I think phase me that much in this sport, especially. Um, but it was fantastic to work with her and have her fill that out. And we just like had such a good, I think camaraderie and rapport that you pick up really quickly. I mean, there's a reason she's been doing this for such a high level for so long. So that was super fun. And she's also someone who, you know, matches that knowledge and passion about this sport in this league. And that's really fun too, um, because that's not always the case. And so you feel like you can, you know, throw out any name, anything from history, and she's going to have something to say about it. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah, you, you two were uh, pretty good together. And I like how you're both like, I feel like you both have like the, the post player uh, you know, camaraderie going right there, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, she was, she's a post player. Is, is that correct? Yes. I guess I, oh, I guess yes. I we're both, that, she's a little, but... she edges me out a little bit in the height category, but yes, <laughs> okay. post player pride. Yeah. I mean, I wave it fr- proudly. Maybe eventually, you know, down the line, I feel like we might get a little one-on-one, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, the, maybe some like post game, you know, they used to do, you know, with like wolf stuff. I remember they used to do that. Like with Jim Pete and Tom Hanneman and stuff with like, you know, after the game, like show you a little, like, you know, they get on the court and kind of yes. do like a little coach's corner, a little, you know, <laughs> showing you a move here, or there, or something like that. I, I just feel like I could see a version of that, um, you know, with you and, and, and Leah. And I think, uh, you know, I think the fans would be, would, would be happy to see that because, and maybe even, or maybe even just you two just going at it one on one. Let's go. Let's get, let's get a little challenge going. Let's get some charity on it. Let's get some money on the deal. Yeah, Someday. these elbows have like taken some victims, so I would be uh, I'd be pretty weary of that. I'm um, not afraid to bring them out. Oh my gosh! Well, we'll just have to yeah, we'll we'll tweet at Leah. We'll try to get a little bit of friendly <laughs> rivalry going here, you know, get some smack talk. That'll be fun. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm glad I'm glad the broadcasting is going well. I think you're doing a fantastic job, and I know oh, Lynx, thank you. lots of Lynx fans feel the same. Um, but let's talk about some other things here. Let's talk about um, you know before we get into kind of of the the basketball of of this season and and uh, how the links are playing let's uh we need to talk about the WNBA W25 list it, it mm. uh, came out a few weeks ago and uh, I believe there are five links or former links players on the list that's a big chunk of the list uh Katie Smith Simone Augustus Lindsay Whalen Maya Moore and Sylvia Fowles uh, make the list and uh, yeah it's the WNBA's 25th year and so they picked the 25 I don't know what I I, I kind of read it quickly but is it 25 best or is it what was the I wonder what the like the frame the, yeah. the frame I mean was. I think I think that's the most like broad definition of what this is for sure and yeah. you know it's funny um when you know I, I broadcasted the Indiana series to close out the season and I was kind of wondering who would have coached the most players on this list Cheryl Reeve or Marianne Stanley because Ooh. she would have coached at USC back in the day um so she's seen a lot of these players over her very lengthy uh, women's basketball career. But that's I mean, it, isn't that amazing to think about to have multiple players that you have coached on this list to just think <laughs> about how legendary, uh, you know, the Lynx dynasty was. And uh, I know I feel like we, this is like the giant elephant in the room because I know I saw Lynx fans just apoplectic about her absence. And that is Rebecca Brunson. And mm. I guess, Neil, what I would say about that is there's absolutely a case for her to be on this list. I mean, she's probably number 26. In <laughs> fact, when you look at the W25, um, I think there is an argument to be said for her not being on all WNBA 
type lists. Um, and that maybe is how she gets sorted down a bit, but absolutely a case for the winningest player, the now third uh, leading rebounder all time after Tina Charles just passed her last week. Um, certainly a reason I would say for, for Lynx fans to be upset, but I kind of, it's a hard job. And if you're number 26, it's still really, really great. Yeah. And unfortunately they're not publishing the 26 through 50. <laughs> Uh, you know, we got to wait a few years to get that one. We got to wait till we get to 50, maybe. Um, but I, I'm on the press release. It's the 25 greatest and most influential players in WNBA history, is how they put it. Mm. So, yeah, we got that there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand that. You know, Brunson, you know, more rings than anybody else. Um, but, you know, for the Lynx, they got they got five players on there, right? They probably, for, for one franchise, that's 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 pretty good. I'm trying. To, I, yeah. I don't know if any other franchise has that many. I, I would doubt it, right? <laughs> over yeah. over that time. So um, you know, it's hard because yeah, obviously, it's if you if you want uh, if you want Brunson on, you got to look at the list and say, okay, who's coming off, right? Who 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 is she above? And you know, it gets a little harder with some of the you know players from uh, from uh, you know from earlier generations. I don't know Yolanda Griffin. Uh, I, I mean. I don't know who you put her. I have a hard time comparing is what I'm saying to some of these older players who maybe I didn't really watch it much. I mean, that's hard. And especially when you're not just saying, Oh, success on the court, you know, they're saying influential and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a little more to it and I get it. Cause it's like, yeah, uh, Brunson has, has all the rings, but, um, you know, by account, by all accounts, you know, she was more of, uh, you know, the, maybe one of the greatest role players of, of, uh, of all time or whatever. But, you know, I kind of get it that it was, you know, they, they wanted to pick more, uh, you know, sort of marquee names and faces and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that's where you get that, that breakdown there where, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's not definitely akin to like a Robert Ori. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, you know, Brunson is, 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 is more than that and, you know, played more played more of a role than uh, maybe Robert Ory did in the situation mm-hmm. in the NBA side. But uh, yeah, like you said, I'm sure she was right, right kind of close to that cutoff and, and for Lynx fans to have five in there. That's uh, that's pretty great. But yeah, we would have liked to see Brunson in there. Speaking of broadcasting, you know, she's she's another uh, another uh, colleague of yours, I suppose, in certain ways, yeah. right? Broadcasting on the NBA side a little bit. She's very good at that. So uh, yeah, but yeah, we got the list. And you know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's not really about... Um, oh, these players uh, get some sort of trophy or something like that. It's really about you know having these these players be recognized, but then also it's for us to talk about. It's for um, it's something that the fans can discuss, the media can discuss, and I think it's good in that way too of having little things like this. Of course, there's going to be every fan base is going to be oh, what about X? What about Y? And so I think it's good for that way too of like a talking point and something to kind of rally the fan base to talk about. So I think it's good on on that side of things too. I think that's such a huge thing. It needs to happen more often. I wish mm-hmm. that there was more of this kind of debate. And I know sometimes we can roll our eyes because of like some of the examples that we see and they can be really just like inane or quite silly what you see in other sports when you are like a 24-hour network and it's just constantly <laughs> about the debate. I understand a little bit of the eye roll there, but I think with this league, it would be so, so beneficial to be able to like use the momentum of these kinds of debates to invite other people in to like 
invite people who follow the league at different times with their their memories and their opinions and things like that. And that's why I like that it did go all the way back uh, on this list to really reflect on the entire history of the WNBA. So I think that's just a fantastic point, something that I think I, I just wish we saw a little bit more of. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, I, I think that's yeah. I think a, a reason why some more people don't get into the WNBA is because they don't maybe understand the history or they don't understand who is like sort of yeah the maybe like the um, the hierarchy of players in the league now as well and stuff. So I think that's interesting sort of idea of yeah putting out more. I mean, it's just a list. You know, people like lists, people like rankings, power rankings, all this stuff. Like I think that stuff goes a long way, especially in the you know quest to try and get more casual fans on board and trying to get more people to come over who watch NBA games and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think that's right that this is, uh, it, it's, it's good to have these types of things in, uh, you know, cause the other leagues do it. And, uh, I think it just kind of helps bring parody to the WNBA and women's basketball. Um, all right, the list. Yeah. let us know what you think about the list. You know, the, the list is out there. Okay. And again, we'll, we'll get another list in 25 years and I'm, I'm sure Brunson will be on that one. Okay. Or so, even five, but can you make okay. five? years perhaps every five every five i like i mean who are the additions in five years asia wilson Mm. and rebecca brunson i'm sure those will be you know Uh big additions but i want to see a w30 yeah and yeah i really like the idea that's uh let's keep it going let's keep stuff like this happening um talking points things like that um all right uh on to talking about the the current edition of the minnesota Lynx and uh their play since since the all-star break and uh, what's been happening? Um, the team is eight and three, I believe, since since the break in their last eleven games. That's pretty good, you know. Uh, that's that's way up there as far as there's lots of hot teams in the league, uh, though. I think uh, yes. know, as, as as we talk, Connecticut won their last ten games, and uh, you know, I think Phoenix is nine and one or something like that in their last ten games. Lots of teams yeah. with uh, big big winning streaks, kind of uh, playing well right at the the perfect time as we uh, enter the playoffs. But uh, Lynx are one of those teams, you know, they have kind of uh, hit their stride and and you know played really well, you know, really only lose to you know the very top of the league you know the two of those games were, were Connecticut and one was uh was Vegas I believe so yes you know yeah they've yeah. won 14 of their last 17 and those three wow. losses it was two to the sun and then Vegas yep fantastic yeah they are they're rolling but um you know kind of another thing that needs to be talked about is some, some injuries have cropped up here towards the end of the season and uh Demiris Dantas uh will be missing the the, the end of uh, this season and in the playoffs um due to a, I think it was a, an ankle or a foot ankle foot injury yeah she's been on a little scooter that's right those are always fun I've never had to ride on one of those have you ever had one of those Sloan no, but I wish I did when I <laughs> had been on crutches in the past because, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, it, yeah. anything would be better than that. I would have loved to have been like scooting around my high school. Yeah, yeah. The arms get very sore with the with the crutches and you're very slow and yeah, it's just never a good thing. So yeah, scooter's the way to go. So unfortunately, Demiris is on the scooter for the rest of the season. Um, she's out. And then um, uh, Lasia Clarendon um has uh what is it? it's like a tibia it's another another lower leg injury yes. stress uh, reaction stress right reaction. um yep is that the bone they were saying the bone there was, <laughs> was i was getting a tibia and a fibia mixed up you know so yes one, it is it is fibia fibia yes fibia in the house uh for clarendon and um 
Clarendon has been, uh, you know, we got word just the other day that uh, Clarendon practiced uh, with the team. I believe uh, Cheryl Reeve said that they just had a few minutes out there and, 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 you know, got to at least run up and down and maybe, you know, scrimmage a little bit, but, you know, didn't, didn't go the full time. So it seems, you know, uh, Clarendon's been listed as, as doubtful for the last few games and then not played. So maybe, maybe something's coming there, but um, that one's kind of hard to see. But yeah, those are the two big absences. Um, you know, still missed one game, I think, there with the shoulder, but, you know, she's battling through that. I think, you know, Cheryl said something about Fee having something going on as well. So everybody's a little banged up. That's how it goes, end of the season. But, um, you know, Clarendon's really the one who you're, you know, that's that's the one that I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, signing Clarendon early in the season. And that's that's just a player that has, um, you know, just just really defined this year for uh, for the links. And, you know, I think they, they really miss uh, what they bring to the floor. So I don't know. What do you think about these injuries? And, uh, you know, what, what can we expect from, from you know, you know getting Clarendon back? What will that bring back to the team that maybe they've been missing? And again, they've been playing well. They're winning these games. So it's not like they've fallen off a cliff without her. But I think the point guard and guard rotation is uh, a lot better when she's in it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, but just starting with Didi, it's just so tough. I mean, she had shot, what, 39 and 43% from three the last two seasons. And it felt yeah. like that was getting to a point where that was like a repeatable kind of performance for her and so dynamic to have at the four position. Obviously struggled this year. So hopefully uh, she can just come back and be full strength next year and kind of get back to that 40 plus percent uh, type of area from um, beyond the arc. And for Clarendon, I mean, going five and one without Lasia, I never would have guessed. And Lasia yeah. has been one of the best stories in the WNBA this season. Of course, we know off the court, but even on the court too. I mean, going from being a DNP coach's decision to now being this player who has ignited a top of the field playoff team. I really thought the Lynx missed Lasia, particularly against Las Vegas. I think that the physicality and size of Jackie Young and Chelsea Gray was too much for this guard rotation. And Lasia, I have talked about on the broadcast before, and I mean this, this is like an utmost respect kind of compliment. But Lasia plays with the aggressiveness of a linebacker, like just flying at the line of scrimmage, tackling whoever has the ball, pass rushing, like no holds barred type of physicality. Yep. And I think that's so fun to watch and uh, something that would make a matchup with Vegas much more difficult when you're talking about Gray and Young, who are big and strong. Um, so I feel like the Lynx very much miss Lasia in that game. But to go five and one without Clarendon has been really interesting. Uh, I know that Crystal has had uh, a pretty good couple of games against Indiana, but really struggled before that. I think coming into uh, the back-to-back -back home games against Indiana had been shooting like 25% from the field, uh, you know, still struggling this season to find that same spark and confidence that she had, especially in the fourth quarter last year of her rookie of the year season. But uh, we even saw some flashes from Rachel Bannon, the times when the ball is in her hands. Uh, but I think you're right that uh, Lasia is absolutely who you want to be leading this offense and uh, to go five and one. I just keep saying it because I don't know if I would have expected that.
Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. It's a good way to, good way to think of it. It's a good uh, glass half full way to think of that one there. But yeah, that's uh, that's interesting with both. Is you know the links you know hang their head on their defense, and and both those players are very good defenders. Um, you know, and I think especially missing Clarendon, you know, defending like you're saying, you know, defending Jackie, uh, defending bigger guards and things like that, and you know, just being the you know the head of the snake, just being the first line of 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 defense right there to to stop the team before they can get get things going is huge and like you said she's she just plays with so much energy and, and is so um you know again so, so physical and and things so yeah they definitely definitely miss that and you know as far as it has it is wild to think about Clarendon's journey this year and I think that also speaks to you know we talk about a lot of you know only having 144 slots and you know 12 teams and needing expansion because there's so many players who you know get cut and and aren't in the league because there's only you know 12 slots per team and stuff and I think you know Clarendon's performance this year can show you that yeah there are these players who for one team they're they're you know they're on the dnp list or they're kind of you know kind of on the bubble a little bit there and for another team they're starting and they're one of the best teams in the league and i just think that's how deep the talent is and that's think about the players we're missing out on you know that are that don't get that opportunity to be picked up by another team and brought back so you know i think that's just another um data point and you know getting getting some more teams in this league eventually and other working on that so i won't, I won't beat that uh beat that one too hard but yeah so you know the defense it's hung in there despite the fact that no Dantas and no Clarendon because you know with Dantas I feel like a lot of the Lynx success before the playoff break uh, excuse me before the Olympic break with that eight game winning streak they had there was about their defense and playing so big you know they were just outmatching every team defensively because they had you know they had fee at the three you know and two bigger players than her at the four and five so they were just massive And, and you look at the top two teams in the league and they're doing the same thing you know in Connecticut and Vegas and so um you know they'll have to figure that out you know trying to get bigger kind of in the front court to match up with those teams especially if Cam Beige are going to come back and stuff like that but we will see about the injuries here. Obviously, Dante's not playing. Hopefully, Clarendon uh, can get back, maybe playing one of these last two games. You know, it'd be kind of weird to bring her back just for the playoffs. I think we had that last season with Sill, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, wasn't That's she right. injured and they brought her back? And she, but then she didn't really play. I can't remember because I think she played more in the play in game. And then they tried to play here in like game one of the Seattle series. And it was just like, I can't remember if she like didn't start the second half of game one or something like that, but just kind of wasn't working. Is is that what you remember about the coming back from the injuries, like right in the nick of time at the playoffs? It's not, it's not ideal, obviously. Right. It's not cool. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest question for Cheryl is, do you want to get as much rest and recuperation time as possible to be Mm -hmm. as close to 100% and, you know, feel like you are comfortable with what seed you're projected to get. Um, and you think about, um, you know, their schedule is still very favorable to them with, um, road games at Indiana and a very depleted Washington team. Um, but I think there is an argument for sure to, put Clarendon in so the rust isn't being shaken off during a playoff game, especially mm-hmm. when it looks like that second seed, I mean, still is a possibility, but uh, certainly is a long shot at this point. So you're going to be playing a single elimination game. Yeah, that's 
That's that's right, and that's going to be hard. Ah, that's that's really tough. We'll have to see. I mean, they have more information than we do, obviously, about you know where Lasia is at, um, injury wise, and, and you know pain tolerance wise, and stuff like that. So we'll definitely have to see how how that shakes out, and that'll be definitely something to watch. But uh, yeah, hopefully the Lynx can and uh, can uh, battle through, no matter who their starting point guard is. Um, but yeah, anything else sticks out to you about how the Lynx have played here, uh, you know, since the Olympic break, um, you know, obviously Sylvia Fowles playing at an MVP level, uh, seems to be, uh, you know, a front runner for, uh, uh, you know, defensive player of the year. Um, so, you know, she's, she's been great and, you know, a number of other players have kind of stepped up and, and, uh, really, really played well in this time. Ariel Powers coming back from, from injury, but what has stuck out to you, I guess, just in general about how the team has played here over the last uh, you know month or so since uh, since the Tokyo uh, Olympics ended? Well, I think everything is just. I mean, the bullet number one for me is just Sylvia Fowles because we are just accustomed to her twenty and ten double doubles, couple blocks, couple steals. She just shoots sixty percent every single game. But even this season, it has been elevated even more from an MVP, from a four-time gold medalist. And that Mm. has been just so much for me to relish again as a uh, post-Pride player. Uh, Just so much appreciating what she has done this season. I think that, of course, the injection of Clarendon and the way they have played has been um, so vital to getting to this point and being a number three seed and really revitalizing this team. But I think it all comes down to Sylvia Fowles being one of the most dominant players in the league. And it's strange to think that she could potentially finish. Uh, well, I guess John Quell is not technically a five since she's, you know, often playing with Brianna Jones on the floor, but you think about, you know, two players that are kind of in the same position. I'm thinking about BG and John Quell possibly finishing above her potentially for MVP, potentially for even defensive player of the year. I mean, that is, <laughs> and that says a lot about just the strength, I think of front courts in this league, which has made this season really, really fun to watch. But um, so Sylvia Faust to me is just a number one when we evaluate why this season has gone so well. And especially since the break and, and even leading into it. Uh, and next is, I think, uh, aerial powers. And I, I talked earlier on about how I look forward so much to seeing opponents in the WNBA as well. I kind of have a, a secret list of ones that I look forward to very much. And Ariel was one of them. I just loved her intensity, her drive, um, her power basically. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that she is able to score in so many different ways, her defense. And I think it finally clicked you know, she had a tough first, I think, four games coming back from her thumb injury in which she missed 12 games. Um, but it just clicked in this kind of post-Olympic break. And that has been really tremendous to see. Yeah, and it's it's finally, it's just cool to see her because, again, she only played four games or something like that. or appeared in four games and minutes were pretty low, too, in those games. But you know, just had to, you know before the break, it was you, know, you just didn't really get to know who this player was um, on the floor so much, and it was just like little flashes. But yeah, now to kind of uh, have her in, in a number of games where she's getting some you know good you know better minutes or off the bench and being that sixth person off the bench or whatever. So you know, it's definitely been good, and in, in, in the energy as you mentioned, and you know the, the defense and just just a lot lot going on there, and it's just been yeah. cool to learn <laughs> learn about her game a little bit more up close. Um, as far as how it's going to work with the links. And I think it's funny because I think she's a very different 
type of player than Cheryl's used to having, maybe a little bit more of a wild card potentially. I think there's some some uh, you know there's some there's some turnovers and some erratic play that like you have to take the good with the bad with her, right? Like yes, there's just like this kind of overflow of energy that happens a little bit, and I can see Cheryl like kind of getting frustrated, like because Cheryl will just pull you from the game, like. She'll be quick yes. with subs sometimes, and I think she is also kind of learning how to deal with the aerial powers experience. <laughs> I That's a really good point, and I'll bring up something Cheryl said this week, and that she said that it's taken an adjustment to learn how to play with AP mm. because she said it was very similar to Maya Moore, not to compare the two, but that sometimes when the ball comes to AP, it kind of stops. And yep. that can be a little bit of a disruption to this offense, but you take the good because when she sees that seam or when she decides now's my time to attack, that's when those good things happen. You get those three point plays, you get that reaction that makes you want to run through a wall. <laughs> and um, that's why you take it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, you know, for her too, it's just, yeah, rounding into shape still, you know, getting into game shape you know, continues on, you know, so I think that's another player that, you know, is, uh, is primed to, you know, be playing, playing their best here as we hit the playoffs. So, well, speaking of the playoffs, they're right around the corner where, um, you know, we're recording this a uh, few games, a few days before the, the final weekend of the regular season. And then uh, the playoffs will be here. And uh, as you mentioned, the Lynx uh, have two two final games, uh, the Friday and Sunday. They're playing uh, in Indiana and uh, in uh, our nation's capital, D.C., uh, wrapping things up. Uh, pretty soft schedule there. And, um, you know, I think if they win both, they, they clinch the, the three seed um, unless Vegas, like, loses both of their last two games. Right. So the, the Lynx have the tiebreaker over Vegas. That's right. Which yeah. is very important. So that is, you know, going to be some of the scoreboard watching. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you got to watch. Yep. All the games happen on Friday and Sunday. So I don't know. I think I think the three seed is very important for the Lynx to get, um, you know, because it's right there. They help. They, they basically, you know, they have their own. They hold their own destiny here by if they just win those two games. Like this is definitely what they're telling the team right now. Like just win these two games. We get three seed. And that means you don't have to face probably Seattle or Phoenix if you win, right? And, uh, you know, or at least you don't have to face them in that, in that single elimination game, in that second round single elimination game. Those those teams would be, you know, maybe be playing each other and you get to maybe have one of those other teams down maybe a little bit further down, maybe, uh, you know, a Dallas or, uh, you know, Chicago or, yes. uh, you know, Washington, I forget, Washington's in there right now. Or I forget who's the eighth seed right now. But, yeah, Washington. Yeah, so you might get to play one of those teams and you can potentially avoid Phoenix or Seattle for a single elimination game so i think that is is huge to have the three seed because I, I think there's a pretty big drop off at least on how they're playing now i mean you look at chicago and you know sure they're 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 loaded down they're very talented um they came into target center and smashed the links um in the middle of the summer so you know the i think the links then beat them after that so they split the year so i mean chicago is no slouch but i think as far as the teams are playing right now i feel like phoenix is is that was one of the hottest teams in the league and Seattle, you know, we'll see. Obviously, Stewart, you know, I think he's sitting out the rest of the regular season, maybe coming back for the playoffs. And but they, they're like, you know, they haven't been playing great. So maybe you actually do want to see Seattle secretly. It's kind of tricky right now to you know predict who, who uh, you know might come out of that morass. But I think getting the three seed is just so important here, especially when you have two kind of easier opponents that you can hopefully take care of here this weekend. 
Yes. And so it's only a half game advantage over the Seattle Storm. And you're right. You might okay. think, well, three and four could be interchangeable. Like if you're not one and two, then, yep. you know, you just, you just take the best court. you can get, yeah. um, which I still, uh, you know, I would still love to see a top two seed to see what this team could do if they yeah. are just inserted, you know, into the semifinals, like the sun and the aces likely are going to be, but you're right with number three, you're going to get the home court as well. we know how important that is, um, especially at target center and trying to avoid traveling and, and having them come to a really difficult uh, road game environment. Um, but you're right. The number three seed, I think has those advantages in that way. And it wasn't until Phoenix went on that, what did it end up being a 10 game win streak it was, um, that yeah. it ended at um, to me, I thought it was the top four teams and everyone yep. else. And really, I can't even think of in recent memory, a time for me looking at the standings and, and watching games this season where I feel like there has been such a large gap between five and everyone else. I mean, Chicago to me is just so surprising because of, you know, the personnel they have on their team. But I think you've seen in certain games and the record reflects um, an up and down season for them. And the Seattle storm, as you mentioned, I it's been so surprising how they've played, not just somewhat recently, but since the Olympic break, it has not been like them. I think they were up, um, you know, really trying to challenge for that number two seed at one point. So that is just a huge advantage for the links. And I want to see them get through that second round single elimination game, because I think the whole season, it has always been looking to the sun and the aces and who, could challenge them who could disrupt a finals matchup between the two of those yeah they're definitely i feel like they are they're kind of a cut above right now and both those teams and uh yeah i think you said exactly right is there any way that another team can get in there and, and kind of upset that uh you know matchup that seems like we're gonna get and and, and who would that be and you know, i think the links can can play that spoiler and can get into that um you know into that potentially but uh you know they need some things to break their way um, you know fortunately without without Dantas, i think that you know i think i, I tweeted when that happened that definitely the Dantas injury you know links can still be successful but it it, it hurts their ceiling like the best version of the links involves Demir Stantis, you know defending and spacing out for sill so um that's going to be tough to play your absolute best and you know make a finals run without one of your best players but hey i think uh, the links yeah you know, they can still do that for sure it's just a little bit tougher when you don't have uh, dd in there but yeah i don't know who who do you, who would you not want the links to see especially in a one game playoff i mean is is it phoenix is that the team just with a bullet that that's like no they're just too hot right now or do you think the links maybe match up well against Phoenix and can handle, you know, you know, put fouls on Griner and and um, you know be able to match up pretty well against Phoenix. What, what do you think about who the Lynx are, are hoping they do not see? Um, I guess again, it's hard because there's so many permutations of what seed they might be in, but yes. just without the seeding, like, who wins just, the first round games? And yes, all that. yes, without the seeding, like just looking at the teams kind of in the mix there, you know, who who do they not want to see? Well, I think you bring up a good point about Phoenix is that even with that extended win streak, even though it's been some time since the Lynx last played them, um, I still think that they are uh, a team that is very manageable to beat. And I say that as uh, clearly they have shown a lot of growth. I think Brianna Turner is someone who is going to perennially be on these all defensive lists, uh, you know, throughout her yeah. entire career, the way that her and BG are playing. I mean, BG, you can make 
make a really strong case for her being MVP, for her being defensive player of the year as well. I think I was even thinking that I think this might be the best I've seen BG play. And this is for someone who's just been an all-star, such a high-level player. But I think it might be even the best I've seen her play in a couple seasons, uh, just looking completely locked in and seeing her at her best. Um, so Phoenix, I think that might be for Lynx fans who they don't want to see. I think uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith has uh, elevated her place since the uh, Olympic break as well. But I really have to say that um, there's not a whole lot of teams that like strike me with this anxiety or concern (laughs) about a one game playoff. You know, I look up and down and I think if you lose to the wings, the mystics, the sparks are only a game back could potentially get into the playoffs. I mean, the Liberty are technically in it too. They're also uh, (laughs) one game out with the sparks. I mean, you can't lose to those teams and I just can't see that happening. So uh, for me, it makes me really look forward to what's the what's the semifinal matchup going to be i keep thinking again about the sun and the aces the fact that the the links took two against las vegas so you don't want to overlook what that single game elimination could be cheryl says it all the time anyone can beat anyone in this league and that's completely true we saw even indiana make a solid run against minnesota in those games despite going zero and two so yes those things are possible, but it is hard for me to see with just how the league has played out this year, where I think there's so much strength right at the very top, which includes the links. Yeah. And then, you know, before we, before we go here, what, what do you think about just like league wide about how these playoffs might shake out, you know, stepping away from maybe the links perspective and, you know, again, just kind of talking about, you know, Vegas and Connecticut, is it, is it really, is it easy to saying like those two are going to, you know, kind of, cakewalk into the finals here after their semifinals you know if they do finish one two there or i don't know what what do you what are your overall thoughts about how this playoff picture is shaping up and how do you expect things to kind of uh, shake out here as as it goes on and gets underway here next week well, with the storm, I think that you think about them being the defending champions. I'm not willing, even with how their play has been. I mean, really surprising games like I mean getting blown out by the sparks would not have envisioned that happening uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago and seeing what the status of Brianna Stewart might be. Um, so I'm not willing to count them out just yet, but I really do feel like it is a four team race to try and get to the finals. I am very interested in what the Connecticut sun can do. I mean, they're a team that has just been winning consistently for many years. Now, John Quell Jones is quite possibly the MVP of the league this season. The first to be the most improved and the, MVP uh, within her career. And you talk about that size that I think is so difficult. Um, You have Dewana Bonner at the three. And I think, um, I think matchups between fee and Bonner have been challenging for fee. I think that the length um, is, is very difficult um, for Nafisa and it's just been challenging to try and, uh, you know, both offensively and defensively. Um, And then I saw on social media, the Connecticut sun posting this black and white photo of Alyssa Thomas, which mm. honestly frightened me because <laughs> Alyssa Thomas kind of frightens me too. Like if I ever had to face her, she's the person I would least want to be driving toward me or to have to guard <laughs> in any way. And I thought that was just such like an ominous um, kind of return. Like if Alyssa Thomas comes back to this team, like, wow. And I know she's had a lot of time off is coming off a very major injury. So there's concerns there. Nothing is guaranteed that she'll just suit up and they'll be able to, you know, ride off to a sweep uh, and win the championship. But that's 
a major concern for opponents is her potentially coming back to this already strong team on a 12 game win streak. But uh, I really do think the links are absolutely in this mix of challenging the sun, challenging the aces. And I'd love to see kind of want to accelerate and get to that point, to be quite honest with you, because those are the matchups I'm so looking forward to. Uh, if the links face up with the aces, I think very much Minnesota uh, has an advantage there, especially with Clarendon on the floor. They took two out of three this season. I think there's just a lot to look forward to but it really is so concentrated right at the top yeah i mean despite the recent loss to to vegas where you know the links you know kind of got got their butts beat i i do feel like they they can match up with with the aces a lot better than connecticut which is another reason why getting the three seed is big if things kind of hold to form and connecticut's the one vegas is the two links at the three and then either phoenix or seattle at the four um, you know, then if you do make it through that single that single elimination second round game, then you potentially face off against you know you would you would face the aces you know and avoid the sun. Um, so I think that's big because I think Connecticut is is you know they've won twelve in a row. They're number one for a reason. Like you mentioned, they have you know the probable MVP and uh, just just a solid team all around. It's so so good and and uh, I think that team is is has to be the favorite to win it all right now. And if you can avoid them at all costs until you have to that uh that would be appealing to just about any team but especially the links who just must have a terrible taste in their mouth after losing two games in a row to them in quite yes. deciding fashion and it being all about size and now you don't have Dantas and ugh, right. that's tough and as far as Alyssa Thomas goes I saw that too and I was that's an interesting one because it's like <laughs> I don't know why you even risk that like first of all it's just the injury thing but then it's mm-hmm. like you just you're already the best team in the league and you've won 12 in a row like maybe don't mess with what's going on right now I know it's hard when it's like Alyssa Thomas probably your second best player like sold the team all this stuff you maybe bring her in and just play her 10 minutes a night and just have her bust her butt on defense and just just you know that they can I'm sure I'm I'm trying to say is I'm sure Court Miller can plug her in in an effective way that won't rock the boat too much but that's an interesting thing when you're already number one to like bring in one of your most important players to add to that like to your point it could be it is terrifying that image was crazy (laughs) but like it's also also kind of a wild card what if that ends up like not going well and suddenly you get you know you get upset or something like that that would be egg all over their face for something that maybe didn't need to happen this year so that is an interesting wrinkle um to this uh, end of the season this playoff push all this stuff um but yeah we'll see i, I think connecticut is so so good and john quell is is just just so beside herself right now as far as just what she can do and you know the the threes and just so dominant i think she's the deserving mvp this year is she is she your mvp sloan which do you have a vote does she get your vote I think she would be. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think, and it, it really, a lot has to do with being that, you know, number one team with the way that she is so um, transform transformational for this team, you know, what she is able to do. And you can say, well, you know, look at just how solid this team is. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Jasmine Thomas is a really unheralded, yeah. uh, you know, she's always been a starter, but just mm-hmm. a really strong role player, just a very, very solid point guard who I doesn't, I, I don't think it's talked about, you know, nearly enough. And, uh, but John Quell has just elevated her game so much to the way that she is able to score her defense just all around for a number one team. So, uh, I mean, I definitely think to me, it's John Quell, Sill, and BG that are the conversation. 
There you go. Those are the one, two, three. Yeah, sometimes it's it, it seems uh, simple and maybe like a little like cliche, but sometimes best player on the best team. That's all I need to do, right? That's, that's right. Don't, don't need to look any farther than that. Um, well, fantastic, Sloan. Thanks so much for joining us. Los Links Talk Show. You've done it again. Uh, fantastic guest as always. Um, everybody, you need to go f- follow Sloan on Twitter at Sloan Martin. Right there on Twitter. Got your full name right there. Lucky you. And um, I don't know. What else is happening? Where can folks uh, hear from you? Uh, I mean, is it all going to be all Twitter? You're not doing any of these, either of these last two regular season games. But, uh, you know, what's happening here for you as far as the playoffs go? How can they, how can uh, fans uh, see your thoughts about how uh, the end of the season and, and the playoffs will go? And, um, yeah, anything to sort of preview or look forward to um, as far as uh, as far as you and the links or beyond? Maybe you got uh, some other some other broadcasting plans that you want to plug as well let the people know where to find you yes maybe i'm not ready to reveal those yet but uh hoping uh you know that things will be announceable in the the coming season here um so definitely you know women's basketball involved but yes Mm -hmm. um at sloan martin unfortunately of course no radio so won't be following myself um you know um on the broadcast for these um last couple games you mentioned playoff games as well but definitely i'm going to be keeping up with links fans there twitter is certainly the best place to find me and um yeah we will see what happens uh, along the way but you'll definitely be hearing from me come uh, women's college basketball season two all right little tease right there from sloan always great to have you on the program and uh, yeah, we will be um, back uh, potentially with another episode, uh, depending on how the Lynx uh, playoff, um, you know, fates go. If they get into a series, we might have to do another show with somebody and, and talk about that. But we'll see how that goes. We've got one more uh, weekend of regular season basketball and then it's playoff time, y'all. So get ready for that. And uh, Sloan, thanks so much for joining the show again. And I uh, hope you have uh, a wonderful time watching the regular end of the regular season and those playoffs. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Neil.